Hi, welcome to The Bug Plug, a podcast about all things insects, arachnids, arthropods, creepies, and crawlies. I'm Kaylee, and today we're looking at some bug news from March. It's already the last episode of March. That feels crazy to me. This year is just flying by. Anyways, let's just dive right into these articles. The first one says that jewel bugs have evolved to see new colors by duplicating their genes. We learned about jewel beetles before. Hold on, let me see one. That episode aired back, way back, on April 24th of last year. So almost a year ago. So there's new evidence that jewel beetles have evolved additional blue and orange sensitivity by duplicating and evolving their UV and green visual genes. Jewel beetles already had great eyesight, but these new colors can help them see more like birds, which not only helps them avoid predators better, but can help them locate food easier. That was the gist of the article, super short, Um, But more research can be done to see how jewel beetles are continuing to evolve and then how just bugs are evolving still. And I think that's incredible that nothing we see is like a finished product, which is very cool. The second article is about bees waggle dance. We learned about how bees dance to communicate a very long time ago. Um, That was in the bee episode super early on. So to sort of recap, bees dance to communicate with each other. And it's a very specific dance to indicate like where food is or if there's danger or like what's going on. So it turns out it's more complex than we previously thought, which is shocking because it was already very complex. Um, But it shows learned social behavior that was previously not recorded to this extent very much in insects. We all knew bees were the best though, right? I mean... If anybody's going to have the most advanced communication, it's going to be bees. The study found that learning is fundamental for honeybees, and they're sharing this knowledge through their dances. The study also found that being exposed to pesticides can negatively affect how the bees dance, thus limiting the sharing of knowledge and bringing just like the whole colony down. I know I say it all the time, but don't use pesticides. The way bees are communicating and learning is helping them adapt better to the world that they live in now, um, where food might be a little more scarce. They have to really be able to communicate effectively where the food is and about dangers and just like whatever other information they have. Like some plants are better than others uh, to kind of work smarter, not harder, and to communicate that with each other is huge. So by taking that away... Not only are you potentially killing hives by using pesticides, but you are limiting how hives can operate by using pesticides, which is very interesting. I, I didn't know that. Um, real quick, we usually only do like three articles, but I feel like I'm just breezing right through these this week. So we'll do a few more. The next one is a little bit of a bummer. I know I always sneak a sad one in. Sorry about that. So in this study, they found that air quality affects the mating of flies. A team has demonstrated that increased levels of ozone resulting in air pollution can lower pheromones that are crucial for mating. 
Basically, the air pollution oxidizes the chemicals, neutralizing them and making them indistinguishable to Drosophila. These are little fruit flies that are common in scientific studies. Um, I did cancer research on them when I was working on my degree. And they're great for these types of studies because they're very small and take very few resources to maintain. And then they also have several generations very quickly, making health-related studies very easy to track generationally. In this study, they could easily see a decrease in population quickly because of the nature of these bugs. This study can also be taken to other insects and animals in general. And I think that could give air quality efforts a little bit more traction, I think. You know, if we're showing how it's impacting nature directly, um, you know, once dogs get involved, I feel like people get super interested. So if they can show like, hey, air pollution is negatively affecting your dog, maybe that would get people more interested in environmental issues. I'm not really sure. But right now they have clearly shown that lower quality of air lowers flies ability to mate and at first it's like the flies who cares but a lot of these looking at how the study can be taken further and used for other research I think is is kind of the point. So the next article also has to do with um, population of insects. So new research makes it likely that proteins responsible for activating mosquito sperm can be shut down preventing them from fertilizing eggs. So real quick, the last article was showing the environmental effects of poor air quality in populations, and then this one is showing that science can be used to prevent certain insects from reproducing. So similar, but different. This would help limit the spread of mosquito illnesses like malaria. Specifically in this study, they looked at the colex, which is a common house mosquito that transmits brain swelling encephalitis and the West Nile virus. Not only can this help protect humans from deadly diseases, but a lot of their research can actually have implications for improving fertility in humans. The leading scientist in this study has previously led studies on mammalian sperm, hoping to find like a male birth control, and is very excited to see what can be done to help human fertility from studying non-humans. And that's one thing that I feel like doesn't get talked about a lot outside of scientific papers. Studies aren't just for the benefit of, benefit, benefit of that particular topic. Almost all studies can be used to launch other studies and give us more information about other problems, and I really love that. I also really love that with this study, it's like they're solving one problem while also solving another. So this research was initially done just to help prevent the spread of disease because mosquitoes are a real issue, and they're mosquitoes kill people. These diseases they spread are very deadly and a lot of places in the world don't have ways for people to really protect themselves from this. So by going in and intervening intervening with science, we're helping those people, but then also what we're learning can also be used to help maybe the same people, but a different population of people who are facing a different set of issues. So I think that's very, very cool. I really love that. Um, I have one last study for us today. This one looked at how mulching at different times can affect insect flower visitors and larvae. Before we start, they mean mulching in a different way, not by like 
putting mulch in flower beds, which is what I thought at first. I was like, oh, very interesting when you do your flower beds is affecting the bugs, which it is, but that's not what we're talking about here. So what they're talking about is when a meadow is cut down and the cuttings are left shredded in the meadow. This is done to maintain the health of the meadow, but is apparently negatively affecting insects in the meadow. I said meadow a lot just now. But like, I could see that, they're disrupting the bugs. Apparently changing to mulching in September is better for the bugs, but it's still not great. Last month we talked about how insects aren't included in very many conversation, conservation efforts. And it feels like this is a similar thing. To protect the health of the meadow, they're destroying the insect populations, which does have a direct tie to the meadow health. The whole point, I think, is to bring awareness to the fact that insect health is important and maintaining native populations is incredibly important, whether that population is of mammals, plants, or insects, they all attribute to the ecosystem, which should be considered and protected. Now, the thing that I mentioned in the beginning, when you mulch your flower beds, does affect the insects. It does. We've talked a lot about insects that overwinter. And we actually talked about one last week with the uh, lightning bugs. They're overwintering in your flower beds right now. Um, so by removing leaves and disrupting the beds right now, end of March or even earlier, is removing a lot of those larvae or just affecting other insects' ability to find food later this year. So... I'm not saying don't mulch this spring. I'm just saying maybe wait a little bit. It is the first weekend of spring, and I know a lot of us are very excited to get out and get going in our gardens and flower beds and stuff, but just wait a couple more weeks and let everything kind of waken back up. I know one thing, if you're into plants, um, if you're not, that's totally cool, but I was very excited to start my garden this year, but between the weather and not wanting to disrupt anything. I couldn't do it as early as I wanted to. So instead, I my little office that I record in is currently full of pots with a bunch of seedlings in them because I wanted to start my vegetables and stuff, but didn't want to go out and disrupt the garden outside. And then I wanted the plants to survive the cold. So they're all in here with me currently. I'm looking at them. They look great. I will start weaning them off um, here in a couple weeks when it's warm enough to do that. And then they'll move outside permanently once I know we're past the threat of frost. But then also once I start seeing like the bees come back and that sort of thing. So I know everything's awake and moving. Totally side note on all of that. But you know what? Here we are. And that was my last article. So that'll do it for March. I'll see you in April next week here on the Bug Plug podcast. The Bug Plug is researched by Kaylee, written by Kaylee, recorded by Kaylee, and edited by Kaylee. Our theme song is from Fine Tune Music. You can find the Bug Plug on Instagram or TikTok by searching Bug Plug Pod. And you can email us at bugplugpod at gmail.com.